Hello and welcome to the Blue Pea Leader podcast. And I'm your host and the founder of Blue Pea Pod, Ruth Sanderson. If you want to become a leader of an organization where people feel alive and fully contribute, one that really understands who you are, lets you contribute your talents, live your purpose and make a difference. Listen in now as we share the latest practical ideas and techniques to experience authentic success through leadership. Hello and welcome to the Blue Pea Leader. I'm Ruth Sanderson and in this episode I want to talk about micromanaging your team. Well, specifically, I want to actually look at some reasons why you should stop micromanaging your team. Now, I've heard a phrase used many times in leadership trainings and when I'm coaching one-to-one. And this phrase is said with absolute conviction. They genuinely believe it. You know, it is me. It's who I am. But it's actually, this phrase is one of the most damaging habits a leader can have and one of the most challenging to break the phrase I'm just a control freak that's all it's often said as a throwaway comment that justifies why the person is justified shall we say is okay to excessively meddle in their team's day-to-day activities so if you're somebody who asks to be copied in on all your team's emails or you have a need to know all the minutiae of what each team member is working on, what they're up to, what their to-do list is for that day, Um, or you go around insisting that things are done your way, then I've got to tell you that you've got a case of micromanagement going on. Now, the thing about this particular habit is that at a certain point, it's actually really going to slow down your progress as a leader, for your career to be able to get to the next level. And and actually, aside from you, um, it, it has a whole heap of knock-on effects to do with what you're instilling in the team that work for you, their career progress. Yep, you could actually be stifling that. So I'm going to share with you five reasons to stop micromanaging right now and what you could start doing instead. But what do I mean by micromanagement? So Wikipedia defines it as this. A management style whereby a manager closely observes and controls and reminds the work of their subordinates or employees. If you do this, the first, uh, the first reason is basically you don't want to be a firefighter. So having worked in many organisations with teams from functional groups such as operations to marketing to research and probably just about all the ones in between, I've seen examples where teams basically adapt to a micromanager, generally in one of two ways. Either the team, in their frustration, just become quietly rebellious, it's all going on behind the scenes, or they actually become incapable of working independently and making decisions without having to consult somebody, usually the micromanager, at every turn point. Now, this last particular one comes out when 
the as a leader, quite often people go, well, now I'm learning to use a coaching style. And it's really great here, Ruth, because you're talking about, you know, self-directed coaching and I ask them questions and they should come up with the answers. But what you don't realise is my team, I ask them questions, they never come up with answers. And I have to turn around and say, well, quite possibly, you need to look at how you've trained them. And if you've micromanaged, then really you've trained them that they can't come up with answers, that they can't make decisions, that they can't think for themselves. So the consequence of working this way is actually your team spends a huge amount of time firefighting instead of focusing on high priority and essential tasks. The second reason is that basically this micromanagement communicates a lack of trust. So you're not actually going to be seen as a role model leader. You're probably going to be viewed as somebody who gets in the way of your team members using the talents that they were actually hired for in the first place. And again, several things happen when people don't feel that they're trusted. So, you know, actually the law of reciprocity applies here. If somebody doesn't feel trusted, then the chances of them trusting you are rapidly diminished. People become demotivated, fed up, disillusioned, which impacts productivity, it impacts their resilience, it impacts their creativity. Um, And effectively, if there's no signs of anything shifting, then they're going to take their talents elsewhere. If you're lucky, it's to another department. If you're unlucky, it's externally to another organisation. Reason number three. If you micromanage, it actually creates dependency. Talked about it a little earlier. We'll go into more detail here. Research by uh, doctors Jean Dalton and Paul Thompson, uh, they came up with a, a framework, a model, the four stages of contribution. And what it does is it shows beautifully that there are four stages an employee can transition through as they look to increase their individual contribution Uh, the value that they add to an organisation. Now, stage one is known as the contributing dependently. We all got to start somewhere. We start here. So when an employee begins a new job, um, then you think about it. You, You really, you are dependent upon people pointing out, where do I find this? Where do I go for that? Who do I talk to about this? What happens with... So you spend time basically being dependent on other people to help you work out all the ins and outs of uh, the systems, the processes, etc, etc. Relationships, networks. Now, at a certain point, ideally, what happens is that this person is now hit stage two, independent contributor. They can basically get on and function for themselves. They can make things happen themselves. But micromanagement actually sets up an environment where an employee stops thinking for themselves and they're waiting to be told what to do next. Or they're consistently asking their manager what to do. Micromanagement actually makes somebody feel like they can't perform their job on their own without having guidance every step. So, of course, you know, we employ people because they bring new expertise, a new perspective, new knowledge to the team. But if we don't use their talents and the insights, then you know, basically we risk the fact that the employee is going to start and lose those skills through lack of practice. Or they get so cheesed off that, again, they leave and join an organisation where they can utilise what they know. 
Now, here's another thing just to think about. You may be sitting there going, okay, Ruth, I'm, I'm ticking the box here because I'm ticking the box in a sense of, great, I don't do this. But I actually have somebody who comes to me all the time asking me what to do next and waiting to be told. But I don't think I'm micromanaging. So you really got to take a step back and ask yourself, you know, are you really not micromanaging? But then how long has this person been with you? And if this person has been micromanaged, then they come to you with that behaviour. They don't know necessarily know anything different. Depends how long somebody's been trained to do something as to how easy they undo it. So, you know, I've said that basically, you know, if you, you know, there is a possibility that people will leave and go elsewhere, but some people don't leave and go elsewhere. They just kind of go, they kind of give up and give in and go, well, this is what I'm going to do. Reason number four is a lack of big picture and strategic focus. So at the end of the day, there's only so many hours in a day. And if you're looking at the minutiae of each team member on what they're doing and how they're doing, then you are never going to have time to focus on the strategic side of your role. You're never going to have to focus to have time to focus on what you should really be doing to add value. So the four stages of contribution model. Stage four is known as strategic contribution. So unless you build your skills and you learn to delegate and coach and develop your team, then you're never going to find time to contribute more widely in your role. So if you don't increase your capability to add more value in your position, whilst your other colleagues are, then get prepared for some uncomfortable conversations. Now, reason number five. Micromanagement limits development. So while many leaders I've worked with over the years eventually realise that having an element of this controlling nature impacts the development of their team members... It often takes longer for them to appreciate that ultimately they've been limiting their own growth too. Now I've spoken about time and really unless a leader learns to delegate tasks and responsibility and extend trust to employees, then they're never going to create the space, time or energy to apply themselves to new projects and opportunities that could be delegated to themselves as part of their development plan. So what can you do to remove micromanaging as one of your habits? Here's the biggie. Basically focus on results, not the minutiae. Focus on the outcome, not the exactly how it's going to happen. Because for most part, the exactly how it's going to happen, the other person may have an even better way of exactly how it's going to happen. So very rarely is the exact how the minutiae fixed. So you could look at OKRs, objectives and key results, is a great management technique that provides all the useful elements for you having a sense of what's happening and progress reports and things like that without the need for complete control. The other thing to have a look at is Basically, what I call quality, fit for purpose, accept that good is good enough. An old mentor of mine once said, you know, accept good is good enough. And I was like, yeah, yeah, maybe not. (laughs) I'm not entirely sure that I just want to do good enough. But it really got me thinking because sometimes I realise that my perfectionist streak 
actually wasn't serving me. That, you know, quality is fit for purpose. There really are times when good enough works. When if I pursue something so that it is the ultimate, it can take me, you know, it's the 80-20 principle. That all of a sudden, the getting it to be the absolute best I can make it takes so much more resources and actually the good enough everybody else would have been happy with. Which links with the next one, developing your feedback skills. Because there will be times when, you know, you need to accept good enough from other people. But if the quality isn't fit for purpose, then you're going to give people feedback. So that they know what they did well and know what they could still work on. Equally, if you're letting go of your perfectionist streak, it is the feedback of others that will tell you that good enough was good enough. That you didn't need to go to the extra at that particular point in time. So how you give feedback can be the difference between demotivating somebody and inspiring somebody to do their work and make themselves proud. Remember, feedback is also about telling your team what they're good at doing and what you'd like to see them do more of. Feedback isn't just where they screwed up. So what next? Well, take a moment for some self-reflection and say, do I recognise any of these micromanagement behaviours in myself? And given, you know, what I said about what you could do to make it even better, then look and turn around and say, so... Do I focus on results? Do I, can I accept good is good enough? Quality is fit for purpose. And what are my feedback skills like? So you could just look at those three elements and say out of that, which one do I want to focus on to allow me to contribute at a bigger level, but also to draw upon the talents of my team and allow them to contribute at a better level, to be more motivated, to Feel a sense of accomplishment. Until the next time, go and be the difference in leadership. <laughs>